Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bird in the Wings. I'm your host, Kelly Strickland. Today's interview is with Tarl Knight. Tarl is the co-proprietor of the Tarleton Theater downtown um, with his business partner, Mark Mariucci. If you have never seen the inside of the Tarleton, it's really um, just this very cool little art deco uh, space. Um, it's an old building. I'm guessing it's from the 1930s, 20s, something like that. Um, formerly the historic West uh, Theater, movie theater, um, which maybe some of you remember. And um, I have a conversation with Tarl uh, about his trajectory as a singer-songwriter, um, about how he went about developing his toolbox as an artist, uh, about some of his hopes for, for what the Tarleton can, or how the Tarleton can serve our community. Um, for those of you who don't know, the, the Widener has partnered with the Tarleton Theater. Um, we've begun uh, presenting some programs down there. We started with the Green Bay Film Society, which started last month. And in about a month, maybe less than a month, three couple of weeks by the time you're listening to this, um, we'll be announcing a full um, list of cool things that we're doing down there to help stimulate our local creative economy. So it's a cool building. Um, Tarl is an interesting guy. And uh, at one point, I reference a book. Uh, the book is How to Do Nothing. And in the conversation, I couldn't remember the name of the author. I want to be sure I credit that correctly. Her name is Jenny O'Dell. Um, and, uh, well, we, we, we say more about the book during, during this conversation. So thanks for listening. And here it is, my conversation with Tarl. Right. right. Um, so, when I was looking at, uh, when I was Google stalking you, Tarl, that's what I was doing. I was Google stalking you and uh, came across some of your music, gave it a listen, greatly enjoyed myself. Thank you. But I noticed on one of them, it identified you as being out of Sturgeon Bay. Mm -hmm. What, when, where? Where are you from? Well, originally from the East Coast. That's where I spent a number of years growing up. And then to Green Bay. My mother was from downtown Green Bay. Oh. And so I spent some time here. And Like as a kid growing up, you would come visit? Um, no. As a kid, I, I moved here and lived uh, here. How old? Um, I would say... After five, before ten, somewhere okay. in there. Um, grade and, school. Yeah, grade school, grade age. school yeah. age. And, um, you know, so really got to know Green Bay at the downtown. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, got used to small city, mm -hmm. uh, hometown kind of vibe. You know, the water, you got the bridges. Yeah. And so after I graduated at the Interlock and Arts Academy in Traverse City, Michigan, which is, you know, uh, another small city. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this campus is out in the woods, but... 
you know, the water, you know, is beautiful and, and that kind of called to me. I, I decided to hitchhike around the Midwest. Okay. You know, How I old just, are we talking now? We're talking 18, okay. 19 after I graduated. And for about a year, I just did that. I, I went over to Duluth and Minneapolis and Chicago and Peoria and Madison and Milwaukee. You were like... Oh, like a rails hobo of the Great Lakes. Definitely, with the knapsack on the stick Uh and everything. Yeah, and And a can of beans. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, (laughs) there were cans of beans involved, (laughs) Kelly. Um, You know, I had guitar and suitcase in hand, Uh and I just kind of trekked around. I got to meet a lot of interesting folks. Um, You know, I learned a lot about people. I learned a lot about, um, you know, their struggles and and, you know, really identified with a lot of friendly folks who were taking as much of a risk taking me to dinner or letting me stay at their place. Yeah. You know, inviting me into their homes and their families as I was, you know, roaming around Cast and getting in strange back. cars. But, yeah. you know, something I did after that was I thought I'm going to drive down some routes here and I'm going to record some of this music. I'm going to get involved in a community and just stick it out. And so what I did is ended up at the Steelbridge Song Festival in Stigeon yeah. Bay, Wisconsin. And I got What's that guy's name? Remind Pat me. McDonald. Pat McDonald. Yeah, thank and you. so I got to know Pat, and yeah. and he kind of took me in like, um, you know, like a like a son, and and I was there at the Holiday Music Motel making music with him, writing music with a lot of folks there. Every festival, there's a very unique thing that this festival does. Yep. And they bring artists and musicians and songwriters, performers in from around the world. And hold them up in this motel for a week. Everyone writes songs throughout the week together. It's a very uh, La Vie Boheme, you know, environment. And yeah. There's a lot of drink and there's a lot of, you know, good food. People have a good time. But yeah. we, get, we get to share experiences and form bonds like that over the course of the week, writing different songs. Um, we record them all together in our motel rooms. Very, uh, you know, avant-garde. Yep. You know, small kind of DIY setups. Um, but it's so much fun. And at the end of the week, then we perform those songs in Sturgeon Bay downtown on Third Avenue at the Third Avenue Playhouse, yep. the tap. Um, you know, and all the folks from the city and the town come out and Door County, they come and celebrate all of the original songs that were written that week. It's a very creative endeavor. It's, yeah. you know, it's very unique. And and so I, I got a lot of different um icons kind of stuck in my head they started to develop little seeds like uh, theater in uh-huh. a downtown yep on a bay uh-huh you're jumping ahead okay you're jumping ahead okay okay i want to go back to interlaken first. yeah sure right. i love it so were you there for, for for four years of high school no i was there for one year okay i was there you know i, I went to a different school every year but as my uh, as my grade school middle school high school education continued it became clearer and clearer that i was not going to succeed and this is to people around me too, who were there guiding me. Yeah. It's not going to succeed in in a you know in a conventional in a traditional K twelve environment. Yeah, it was it was really bad for mm. me. It was not healthy for me. I, I needed the ability to be creative. I needed the ability to, um, you know, you, you're not old enough, um, you know, to be fully independent. Yep. But you're old enough where you, you you're already there. You know, in yeah. a lot of ways. So I, I couldn't sit still. I couldn't, um, you know, I had to dictate my own curriculum. Mm-hmm. In a, you know, there were negotiations that had to happen. And in the traditional sense, uh, you know, the traditional model, there's no negotiations allowed. Yeah. But I, I needed those by then. Right. Like you, I mean, what you're describing, I, I kind of, um, I'm interested in this kind of experience. And in fact, you know, a lot of the folks who have sat in here and talked with me about their path to 
becoming an artist, identifying it as an artist, which like is a whole other thing. Um, some of it, ha- a lot of it has to do with part of it's how we're wired, of course. Mm-hmm. And part of it is like who's negotiating how we learn and um, how much autonomy we're given, mm-hmm. how much we're sort of empowered to pursue things that we're passionate about. And what you're describing, I think, for me, is one of the greatest arguments for widespread arts education in our K-12 schools. Um, Because we know for a fact, there is research upon research upon research, that students who learn differently really benefit from arts education, right? And um, and I and I think about kids like you're describing your your young Tarl self, like yeah. you know, being told by classroom teachers like, well, you're failing because you're failing at this model that we've created, when in fact you could have ex- enjoyed extraordinary success if given a different kind of curriculum or flexibility curriculum based on expression and yeah. all of these things. So, um, I would I mean. So who was it in your family that recognized that and was like, this kid's just not going to succeed in these in this kind of environment? Yeah, it was my mother. Yeah. And uh, I think she, she from a very early age, was pushing arts, was pushing music. Mm-hmm. Um, was she herself um, artistic, creative? I think maybe early on. Yeah. By, by the time that I came into her life, I, I don't think that I saw that as much. Her priorities shifted to helping me to discover myself. Yeah. You yeah. know, she's that kind of mother yep. where it was like, all right, that's done. Yeah. Now we've got something new. And, and so, you know, all hands on deck there. Well, one um, could argue that raising a child is an act of creative right. expression. Yeah. Well, <laughs> trust me, it was a creative experience for all of us, you know. But she, you know, she was always there on the journey with me. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, museums and libraries and um, you know, lots of concerts and, and, yeah. and lots of galleries. She was that kind of mother. I was very lucky. I mean, so lucky. But she saw early on, and so we started switching schools and started to experiment. Now, not everybody has that that kind of opportunity, but yeah. but we did and, and started to look at different options that way. Interlochen was the last kind of hope for me. Yeah. I was to a very serious point where I was truant all the time. I'd skipped 100 days of school. Mm-hmm. I was already checked out. Yeah. And, and I was not interested anymore in even a diploma. I, I really wasn't. Um, I was writing songs since I was 13. Yeah. I had begun performing all around the, the, the downtown area in Green Bay, all around the state. And, um, you know, other kids were going home and doing homework, and I was going home and learning how to record and yeah. learning all these instruments and picking up the bass and the drums and the piano and yeah. the guitar. And um, I already knew that was where I was going. And I knew myself well enough to know I'd be able to be flexible and I'd be able to turn and pivot where I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I, I was convinced I didn't need a college diploma. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't need a high school diploma. Yeah. You know, and, and there's some arrogance there because you never know. But, you know, I was, I was really young. And, yeah. Um, you know, but Interlochen was kind of the last attempt at creating an environment where there could be a negotiation yep. where I could come to the table and educators could come to the table and we could say, what does this unique experience look like? Um, you know, and the arts, um, you know, involvement in that education really didn't come too late for me. I'm lucky. But I wanted to kind of highlight something you had mentioned earlier, which is, you know, the importance of, of arts in education is so integral because during education, you, people need outlets to be able to explore their identity and their future 
And there's a lot of cut and dry information in a lot of education. The arts angle of education is definitely not that. It's very fluid. Um, it's very nebulous. It gives people the opportunity to look into themselves. Yep. It's not just information. You know? I would go one step further and say it's giving people, and this is not an art skill. This is a life skill, right? It's giving young people the opportunity to have the experience of trying and succeeding or trying and failing and trying again, mm-hmm. right? Like the whole notion that there's no right answer only you as the artist get to determine whether you've succeeded or failed. You can take input from people and you can hear it or not hear it, right? And I think the more experience you have, maybe you get better at understanding what it is you need to be Mm -hmm. receiving in terms of um, input and and criticism. And I mean that in the constructive sense, not in the journalistic sense. But although I don't mean certain journalist critics do they exist anymore or is it just people on Instagram being like, this is what I think? <laughs> um, but but nonetheless, I think that you're right. There There is a lot about exploration of identity and giving expression to things we hold dear and to things that we find beauty and, and expression of emotions that feel complicated and overwhelming without those modes of expression. That's all important. But there's also just this importance of try something. Mm-hmm. And you can't be wrong, right? We'll give, we'll give you some guardrails to try to be better and to give you more tools to make sure that you can express yourself as fully and clearly as you want. Yeah. Because um, to me, that's the thing. It's like arts programming is not about building that next generation of artists. That happens too, which is important. <laughs> but it's about making whole human beings. Yeah, the human experience. Yeah. You know, the in the post-capitalist thing, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at, you know, advancing into a type of machinery, into like a model of living where we're efficient, where we're productive. You know, there's another angle there to creating a balanced human being, and that's the human experience. That's expression. That's the emotional, you know, the the intellectual side, of bridging those together. Yeah. And, um, you know, in creating a healthy society. And, you know, Have you that's important. heard of or read this book called How to Do Nothing? No, but I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. So I started it thinking it was going to be like a self-help book that just sort of was like my antidote to being brainwashed about productivity. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but to some and to some extent it is. Uh-huh. But what it really is is this author. I mean, she's genius, and I'm going to have to put it in the intro when I record it because I can't think of it right now. But she really describes the act of rejecting efficiency and productivity, which our that's the currency of capitalism, right? That rejecting those things is a political act and that the the space that it opens up, yes, that is where you find inspiration, creative expression, curiosity, you know, all of these things that are totally compulsory to a rich human experience. Um, but the way she talks about it as sort of rejecting the economy of attention, that's her phrasing, uh, you're going to dig this book. I can tell just by what you just said, you are going to dig 
this book. I'm sure I will. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to interlocking. Uh, so that was the that was the last. I mean, it was your last shot to get a high school degree. It was, yeah. And you know what I learned there is that you know if you try and try and try again. Um, you'll still almost fail, but but you'll just hang on, <laughs> yeah. and and so that's what I did. You yeah. know, I, I hung on, and uh, you know there was an opportunity where I'd come to the table with uh, you know all the kind of stars aligned. There, there was a new program that Interlochen had just introduced. They have a lot of great majors and and programs there for high school. Um, you know, students, there are composition majors and motion picture majors and dance majors. And, um, and, you know, in the music program, mm -hmm. we have, you know, symphonic orchestra. Um, this was the first year where there was introduced um, a composition major subset of singer-songwriting. So this was kind of like, you know, all the stars aligned here. I went yeah. and I came to the table with most of the skills that were going to be covered. So what I was lucky in, in being able to do is while students broke off to go and learn guitar or piano, having already discovered my skill sets with those, um, I was able to go and freely explore the organ building and break into the, the old storage room where they had the 300-year-old harpsichord and start to experiment with wine bottles and glasses filled with different amounts of water and, mm -hmm. and conduct symphonies with that. And so I was really able to spread my wings creatively. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where I started to learn a lot of things about myself and, and my peers. This is kind of my condensed college yeah. experience. <laughs> you know, there's, it's a campus out in the middle of the woods yeah. with a lot of creative, artsy people. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of creative, artsy things that go down. This was a great opportunity for me to, to kind of get that out of my system and, and experience that. It, it went by, I mean, when I think of it, 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 every day was like a year, but it really went by in what feels like a week now. It so was, you say get it out of your system. Yeah. And I find that so curious because I feel like people who've ever experienced a chapter of that in their lives yeah. spends the rest of their creative career chasing it. So like... Do you, is it really out of your system or do you secretly hmm. yearn for like a, a cobble of, of creative minds that get together and just make shit for the sake of making it? I guess what I should say is, <clears throat> is that yeah and no, it's not. And it is the, the part of it that's out of my system is the constructive, um, you know, molded by the institution Got version it. of it. Got it. And the rest of it is that in that one year, I learned I can be the master of my destiny here. Mm -hmm. I can go and learn all of these things. And, and everything doesn't have to be according to a model. You know, this was an opportunity for me to really discover something I'd been looking for for 12 years of school growing up. And, you know, I'm a young adult and I realized, you know, you, we can experiment. And the experiment doesn't have to end here. My whole life can be one big, large science mm -hmm. experiment, one big art project. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, entrepreneurship, looking at different ways to explore business, looking at ways to explore community building mm -hmm. um, and bringing my art to the table in a lot of different ways. That experiment never ended. And it began there. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that was kind of, you know, get it out of the system was like. You know, in the formal sense. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you didn't. It's not like you graduated from Interlochen or finished your studies at Interlochen and then said like, "Oh, I'm now convinced I need to pursue formal higher education right. and go to some conservatory program so I can keep doing yeah. this." Yeah, it was you like, were like, "No, let me get my hobo stick 
Yep. And start right. tramping around. And that's what I did. <laughs> I tramped around, honestly. You know, I had a great time there. And it really is one of the foremost, um, you know, spots in the country, in the world um, for people to go and explore music. And, and there are strict regimens and it is a very prestigious place. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the people there, a lot of them have a lot of money and they've been practicing for this. A lot of these folks stepped out of the womb with a cello or a violin, yep. you know, um, and, and there's a lot of pressure. For me, the pressure was over. It was like last year, if I do this and I and I get that diploma, great. If not, I'm out of here anyway. Yeah. I'm just going to have a fucking great time. And yeah. I did. And I did. And, uh, you know, socially as well. And that was great. Because when you're able to connect with other creative people in an environment that's, that's free, in an environment that's supportive of that, you don't have anything to hide. You can express things together. You create bonds. Um, you learn that that you're not alone after all, and yeah. and that's hard to do when you're in a rigid institution that doesn't necessarily support arts or expression. Mm -hmm. In this case, it was all about that. That must have been thinking about like young Tarl that you know, super supportive, cultivating all this creativity, mom. Mm -hmm. um, and it and I have you know parent I have friends who are artist parents and they do tend to parent a little bit different yeah. you know um and it's almost like a more collaborative process shall we say yeah. <laughs> you know where they really see their kids and they um spend a lot of energy like introducing them to things that might be the channel that kind of light them up or yep. right um but I'm thinking about young Tarl then find, having that experience, then knowing like, oh, I'm not alone. These things that were huge challenges for me in a classroom setting up until this point in a traditional public school system, um, they're actually gifts. <laughs> they're, they're not uh, deficits. Yeah. They're gifts that I possess. And to to hit that environment at that age, that must have been a huge gift and pretty transformative. I mean, I can... Did it? Did you feel like was your self esteem already so intact that you didn't even need that, or was it was it a moment of like, oh, I'm okay? There, there was it was both. You know, privately, um, what my mother knew all along was that I didn't have a community to connect with. Yeah, I didn't have a place I belonged. I was always in a group of people who weren't creative, or to the extent that I was, yeah. and I needed to be able to connect to other people yeah. that way. What she was looking for all along, I think, was to set me up with the tools and the opportunity in the community to be able to go and do that, mm -hmm. you know, um, giving me those tools. Um, so during Interlaken or after Interlaken, that's usually a transformative time. You're on the edge of 17, yeah. you know, says Stephen. For Nicks. everyone. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're about to break out, and so that's usually a place where people discover themselves and discover their the next step of their journey and you know that's the coming of age thing but for me it was especially you know uh rewarding because i did get to discover this part of myself that said this whole life i've had so far i can leave it behind and take the skills with now um you know all along i had been trying to escape it and running away and here i got to run away but i, I got to succeed in graduating and yeah. um though all the skills that i got in that last year um, you know, which aren't the ones that people would normally see a, a high school education would provide you. Right. But experimentation, um, you know, making up a curriculum for yourself, negotiating with adults 
instead of just following rules. Mm-hmm. You know, starting to participate as a member of of uh, you know of your life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, where educators are collaborators, yeah. as opposed yep. to right, which is when you look at education models like. You know, the Scandinavian education model is very much that, right, yeah. that that teachers don't position themselves as in charge. They position themselves as people who possess a lot more information yeah. and more tools, but they'll collaborate with learners to offer them those resources without feeling like they have to dictate the experience. Yeah, that, and that the, is something that I was able to to explore and and come to terms with it, understand and appreciate in that last year at yeah. Interlochen. I had a number of really great instructors, one whose name was Courtney Kaiser Sandler, and she um, is a fine musician in her own right. Um, and, uh, you know, I really got to explore, spread my wings. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are a lot of great models like the ones you're talking about. And there are so, I, th- I, think, I think that every educator walks into their, um, you know, walks into their career hopeful that they can have that kind of impact and that they can explore that. It's the institution or the system sometimes yes. that gets a little corrupted yeah. um, or, or it doesn't allow for people to really stretch out into yeah. it. But in this case, you know, it was, it was just the perfect kind of, of uh, you know. Yeah, for you. Yeah, right? it was for me. Because it wouldn't, that experience also wouldn't be for every, yeah. every kid. No, right. I mean, some people need a little bit more structure, yeah. you yeah. know. So, Okay. Uh, then you start tramping about the can of beans yes, on, the, on the railroad cars. And More do than you, one, yeah. <laughs> um, I know you mentioned Duluth. You met, So I know you land in Sturgeon Bay, and I'll come back to that in just a second. But like, was there one place that forever in your heart will just like sort of be this magical place that you visited yeah. that you were like welcomed as a, str- you know, a stranger in a strange land yeah. and forever and ever that place has the keys to your heart? It's funny because when, we were just talking a little bit before this podcast. Yeah. You, you mentioned you're from Chicago. Yeah. It was Chicago for me. Oh, really? It was Chicago, you know, the big city. Yeah. And, you know, that's a little cliche, but something that I, I love about Chicago is that um, is that there are performing musicians out on the street. Mm-hmm. When I went to Millennium Park and the Loop, there were all sorts of folks who I would be able to run into playing music there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was my first big break, and that was the first place that I tramped off to. Um, you know, so that was the beginning of the journey. I stayed there the longest. Um, folks at Columbia University there, um, you know, took me in and, and said, Columbia College. Oh, Columbia College. Thank Columbia you. Columbia University would want to be sure that I corrected that. Columbia Thank College. you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't studying law. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, this was this was the arts. But um, yeah, Columbia College. Columbia um, College. You know, I, we have lots, and both my husband and I have many, many friends who came out of that program. Yeah. Um, that was a place really that, and what's cool about it, and this might relate back to your kind of earlier experience, is that it it really was about a working class artist as opposed to those rarefied, born with a cello in their hand yeah. kind of artists. Um, and that is one of the things that I hope, like, the DNA of that place never loses. And is really in line with the Chicago theater scene that, that I came out of, that's a working class theater, right? Like we work and we tell stories that are about the people who are just 
working schmoes, raising families, yeah. doing their best every day, right? And, and we do it line. in dumps. We like put the theater, <laughs> we produce the theater in any dump we can find. Yeah. Um, and we're all six feet away from the, from the audience, and there's 200 theaters doing that, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, Columbia College is a special place. Well, thanks for correcting me on that. You know, Columbia <laughs> College, you know, I the whole time I'm like Columbia, you know. So, yeah. um, but that was. You know, you're right. The working class environment. You know that 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 whole time I was there, there were people taking me in, trying to connect with me. I was able to do that there. Yeah. You know, from the point of view of someone from Green Bay, for a lot of their young life, Chicago's the big city. Mm-hmm. So that's where I went to. Just like you know, most people yeah. will. You know, that's that's kind of the the model. But um, that place, you know, and I go back there from time to time, and I remember all of. All that that adventuring, so um, you know, it's a great experience for me. And uh, you know, Interlaken, there were some folks there yeah. that I, I was able to, you know, I was able to kind of follow there and, and reconnect with. Um, yeah, what what else could you say about Chicago? You don't you know? have to say anything yeah. else about it. It's, it doesn't it's need wonderful. to be a commercial for Chicago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but so I think, based on what you just described about the Interlaken experience and about the the Steel Bridge Music Festival, I I have a pretty clear sense of like why then Sturgeon Bay became the place yeah. and that again, that community, right, that um that you found there. Uh and I have to tell you, like so I told you when we were walking over here that I had listened to some of your music. It's I'm I might be wrong, right? So again, I'm a theater person, not a music person, but it felt really, the music felt very optimistic to me. Like, it just in general, like, kind of made to uplift, made to unite, made to kind of this very aspirational thing that we talk about music doing. Yeah. Um, so that's only, you know, what's available digitally out there on, sure. the, on the internet. But is that is that a part of how you would describe your your singer-songwriter's point of view? Yeah, and I would. You know, positivity um, is something that I think people grapple onto when they've been in a place where that's very hard to find. Yeah. Um, I was in that place for a long, long time, not just in my education growing up, but, you know, I had essentially a single mother. And, um, you know, there's a lot we don't have to get into on this podcast, but... um, Hardship. Yeah, a lot of hardship. Yeah. That's right. So... When you're a young person or of any age and you experience that, um, you are always going to gravitate toward whatever little bit of light you can. And, and Is that true? I feel, I'll, for I'll me always, it was. Yeah, for me it I was. I think I'm not sure that is the story for everyone. No, but probably I think it, not. I think it can be yeah. a story. Um, and we, I mean, I too had a lot of hardship in yeah. my in my younger years. And I probably share that have that in common with you that that was my solution was to like optimism you know um there's a piece of you know there's there's a ray of light i'll just grab onto that and see how long it will sort of drag me along um but but sadly i don't think everyone has that survival mechanism because it really is a survival mechanism yeah and where that comes from i'm not sure what you know what point does do you clip right or clip left i don't know right but you know that is that's where that's what I clung to. Yeah, that, that was there for me. Uh, you know, as a person, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I have it in me to to act out uh, another role. I don't have it in me to to perform 
in some sort of performative way my songs. I can't write about things that aren't genuine to me. Oh, yeah. I can't do it. I don't know how to tell a story that doesn't come sincerely from some thought that I've had or some feeling that I've had. Um, and even when I'm playing other people's music, it's hard for me. If I can't connect to the song, I, I oftentimes won't do it. Well, I mean, the songs that you cover that I I could find, I think are, you know, um, Sound of Silence, oh, yeah. uh, Sailing. I mean, these are like quintessential soaring, you know. I mean, like a sad, there's definitely a sadness to it, right? But yeah. also just layered with this like joy and reverie and um, and that's quite palpable. Um you know, taking a look at, at uh, you know, brightness and, and optimism, um, you know, that's easy to do. But, yeah, things like Sound of Silence um, where, you know, and that's my favorite Simon and Garfunkel song. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really one of Paul Simon's classics. But um, looking at uh, deconstructing things, deconstructing the world around us, um, you know, whether it's a form of criticism or shining some light on something, hopefully in a more, you know, poetic way. Um, you know, that's important to me. Um, you know, with the working class elements we're talking about, the um, uh, the post-capitalist society, you know, things that, that, that we mentioned here, um, those all come from going and dropping out of something traditional and, um, you know, starving and, and, you know, doing that kind of archetype uh, and, you know, hitting the road with the cans of beans and, and <laughs> you know, but in that sort of environment, you learn what people need and you see sometimes the worst of it. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it gets dire. And, uh, you know, when you're in spots like that, but you've had the, um, the benefit of, you know, formal education, you start to question things. You know, for me, those songs represent that opportunity. Yeah. You know, it, it, there is Howard Zinn's Artists in Times of War that always really strikes me the artist's responsibility in a time of war or any type of conflict to use their platform or their creative expression to call upon, um, you know, the spotlight to kind of shine some light on on the issues that people are facing. Right now, our big issue is, you know, is poverty and, and is, um, you know, inequality and, and, and those sorts of things, um, you know, I love Sounds of Silence for. Because it really reflects on all of the sort of institutions that we kind of fall into, that we take for granted are there. And when we were talking earlier about the education system, um, you know, that's an institution that's just there. And we were born into it, and we just follow it. If we can explore through art and have those conversations through music or, or through whatever, through podcasts or whatever, that, that art, um, you know, is an essential component then we can start to peel back the layers and, and try and understand how we can have those negotiations a little bit better with each other. Well, it's it's interesting because, you, you know, you're talking about Howard Zinn. I think and you you identified poverty as being, like, you know, one of our great societal um, challenges right now and stemming from this, dis, you know, disparity of wealth mm-hmm. holding that we have that's evolved primarily due to capitalism. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, uh, but also we've got climate change. We've got, you know, we have systemic racism. We have, like, we have all of these what feel like really impossible challenges. Yeah. Like, if you really sit down and just index them, yeah. it can feel like, I 
I'm not sure why I'm getting up this morning, right? Like, how, these can't Oh, you can get nihilistic real fast. Real yeah. fast. So I would say that, you know, for me, the role of art, and I was talking to, to one of my colleagues about, like, what people are looking to experience in a live performance experience post-pandemic. And, I mean, we have the history to show it, right? They want escapism. Like, yeah. that's what they're, that's what they want to. So it's not just, I do think we need to continue to shine the light and try to find ways to have the difficult conversations by peeling back the humanity of everyone, right? That, that to me, is what the arts do. But then also, it has the power to do this thing that's not the sound of silence. It is that sort of unifying hearts and joy and recognizing like, oh, despite these wildly disparate opinions, backgrounds, experiences, we can have a uniform experience of joy, elation, feeling moved, yeah. you know, um, just by virtue of a certain chord progression because sure. <laughs> right? yeah. music is like witchcraft like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I think it's, it's two prong, which is where the power lies, right? Yeah. Like I can, I can trick you with my escapism and, yeah. and then I can like, I'm like for the, for listeners who can't see this, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm screwing a knife or something. <laughs> Doing, which is like I, like I caught you. I don't know. Caught you in Kelly, conversation. Right? Kelly's well known for her invisible shanks, <laughs> yeah, uh, her right. imaginary shanking. It was a dialogue shank. Um, so, okay, to get to where you are now, so what is your role at the Tarleton? What's your vision for the Tarleton? Um, congratulations on surviving this freaking pandemic. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and that's like, I do not say that lightly yeah. because venues across the country, like it, it was no joke. It was no joke. How we got here is, um, you know, I, I spent some time in Sturgeon Bay. I, I, I got out of Chicago on my big trip and I thought, you know, what I was looking for all along in the big city was really community mm -hmm. and people gravitate toward big cities um, because there's a lot of opportunity for community. The mm -hmm. more people, the, the more chance you'll find a pocket of somewhere to belong to. I think that's, yeah. that's where that sort of came from. I was able to land in Sturgeon Bay, um, welcomed back to this festival I'd have been a part of for years on an annual basis, and found that community there. Through that festival and through that community, the, the Third Avenue Playhouse, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, where local creatives could get together, it was an accessible venue. It's not too hoity-toity, yeah. you know, um, and uh, the price points there, this is a working-class blue-collar community on the bay. These are shipbuilders, um, you know, these, yeah. are, these are shipping people. And um, so this was an opportunity for me to kind of soak all of that in year after year. I lived there for a number of years. When I came back to Green Bay, I knew that I had to, um, you know, in the words of Cat Stevens in Father and Son, I know I have to go. Mm -hmm. And at some point you just know... It's time for me to start writing my own book, and it's time for me to kind of take the reins. This was uh, like a second opportunity. And Interlaken, uh, Sturgeon Bay. I mm -hmm. came back to Green Bay, and I thought, what I experienced there, I'm now going to recreate. Mm -hmm. Somehow, some way, in whatever way is organic here. Um, I started a, a festival here, downtown, and every day driving by, we just, the stars align again, and here's this old theater. Mm -hmm. um, and it's closed. It's boarded up. Um, it, it had been, you know, nothing 
um, that even closely resembled its historical use for, for a number right. of years. And uh, what it's able to do is through this festival I'd organized called the Art Tour, um, I hit the press, um, you know, announcing all of these these musicians coming into town, a lot of local, mostly local original acts, was, mm -hmm. was able to kind of reconnect with this community um, through my music and my art and, uh, and put this, this, you know, festival together. I ended up meeting my business partner who, um, at, at this festival, who had saw me in the press and said, I'm, I'm going to make it out to this and, and visit this. Um, and my business partner, Mark Mariucci, had owned the theater mm -hmm. from 2000 to 2005. And so we were able to connect over the course of the year and really start to look at, is this a viable thing to put this back together, to save this location, yep. um, you know, to reconfigure it and revitalize it. Um, we learned a little bit later on that the city had planned for some time to purchase that site, demolish it to make room for parking in that in the downtown area. Mm. Um, so, you know, although that was impressing on us, we, you know, we really just made it. Yeah. And so this space is now saved. And um, this is a, a building that was built in 1924, 1925 by a, uh, a Minneapolis-based architect, Perry Crozier, this guy had designed a number of really great Art Deco theaters across the Midwest, mm -hmm. a number of which I didn't realize, but I had played in or gone to during my hitchhiking. Oh, wow. Um, so so actually, like, when you discovered or rediscovered the space, it's like you... there. Did you experience like kind of a familiarity through that um, through that experience? I there was something weird. I yeah. mean, there there was something you know. There's a tingle there for sure. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it was that or if it was the feeling of like, you know, this is where all of this has taken me. I know this is it. Mm. You know, but there was something there where, yeah. where all the stars aligned and and it just felt right. And sometimes whether it's you know it's right on paper, or whether it's right you know. Um, you know, upstairs, you can feel it in your chest and it just overwhelms you and, and you're just kind of a slave to it sometimes. Yeah. Just like falling in love. When you see someone, you know, that person's face for the first time, you just know that yeah. you're trapped now yeah. and, and, it, and, and you're going to do it. And that's what this was like. Uh -huh. um, so we, we opened in, in December of 2018. Okay. Um, you know, for the better part of that year, we'd been renovating it, mm -hmm. uh, preparing it. Uh, the space hadn't been used in a number of years. Um, with the idea that live music would be the center mm -hmm. of this space. Um, within a year and a half, the pandemic and, you know, all of the progress and the momentum that we had built, that we had started to, 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 to organize, all of that dissipated very, very quickly. We shut down for more than six months to be the most responsible community partner we could yeah. be. You know, when you have a business where people conglomerate and that's yeah. the business model, you know, in, in close quarters and the idea uh, to profit or, or, you know, to make ends meet uh, with that bottom line is to pack as many folks as possible in a single small little enclosed space that wasn't that wasn't going to make its way, you know, yeah. um, for us. So we, we did close down. When we started back up, we thought, let's reconfigure here with something more collaborative, with something more diverse. Let's make it so that um, everything's affordable. Let's make it mm -hmm. so that everything's accessible. And let's start drawing on some of the opportunities that we can pull some parts of our community in on where they don't have a space, people mm -hmm. who are overlooked, mm -hmm. um, you know, fringe um, sort of events and, uh, you know, outlying communities who don't have a home. Because in the past with Interlaken and with Sturgeon Bay and now here in Green Bay with this theater, 
I was looking for a community. Yeah. I was looking for a place to belong. Yeah. And so here's my opportunity in order to provide that space for other people. Um, so that's what we started to do. The mm-hmm. drag community, mm-hmm. the LGBTQIA community we had in there. Um, we've got uh, we've got burlesque shows in there, which don't really celebrate a lot of different you know spaces in in the Fox Cities area. There's not a huge platform for burlesque yeah. to to exist. Um, it, it requires the correct kind of space and and mood that can be set in a venue. Yeah. Um, the movies that we're able to show there on this big screen, original from 1925, it's the largest screen in the city of Green Bay, um, you know, or at least in the downtown. Yeah. That's, that's historical. That's been there as a cinema for, for a long, long time. That's something that we've been able to capitalize on, um, you know, and, and together, you know, we're starting to do that too. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's been a great experience to see a lot of those movies that were shown there. Sometimes originally, yeah, for their first, right. you know, that's right. their premiere. Their, that's where they would have. Yeah. that's where they would have screened. Um, so much that we can do there. The bass music community. We got raves out there. You know, maybe that's not the right word, but you know, yeah. there's there's a lot of great, um, you know, environment uh, there for people to flexibly bring in ideas of their own. Yep. For us to use the space in a way where we can bring young people in and older people in. Yep. You know, and sometimes together, but sometimes apart. the 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 idea here is that this is an accessible space. This is the community's space. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and the Tarleton Theater, I want to represent that because I was lucky to find that. Yeah. So. And there will be more information coming. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let's say this podcast goes up in a week. Probably within two or three weeks of listening to this um, about things that you and I are working on together mm-hmm. that I'm very excited. So we... We we actually were all talking about this on the walkover as well that you and I share some values around um, around community partners around um, holding space for all kinds of voices um, and so we have started slowly as the as the widener um, bringing our friends from the Green Bay Film Society David Curry um, uh, his lovely curated film series over that began in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, another showing in February, but there's going to be a whole bunch coming down the pike um, at the Tarleton collaborating with the Weiner. That's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be exciting. Well, it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> I was so thrilled about it. Yeah. So, uh, and it's been a long time coming. Yeah. No, it has. I I know. Right. We've been talking about this for a year. Yeah. Right, a legit, a solid yep. year, and I'm like six months from now, nine months from, now, but for real, it's happening. Um, okay, here's my last question for you, Tarot. Yeah. Well, two last questions. One is, do you still make music? You still making music? Yeah, I do. Write music? I do. All right, where are you playing it? I'm not playing it live very often it's because music. because now I'm I'm performing in in different ways, you know. Uh, but I still am writing and performing it, you know, and. Uh, you know, in my own space. And yeah. what, I, what I hope I can do is in the busyness of this endeavor with the theater and with some of my other, um, you know, pursuits that I've got in some of my other roles, like, for instance, right now I'm running for local office, mm. um, you know, in order to try and push the downtown forward in a yeah. lot of the ways that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, because the whole story ties together. So if you, if, you, if you hear what I'm about and what I've been through, then it won't be hard to imagine where I'd like to take our city and where I'd like to, yeah. you know, help uh, in the political realm. But also it, with the shipyard district downtown, which is, um, you know, a new section of the downtown. I'm the director 
of that organization, trying to help these businesses to succeed after the pandemic, yeah. trying to pull um, an environment together where we can celebrate live music in all of these bars and restaurants, yeah. uh, celebrate live local original art and music, and um, you know, really trying to revitalize that area, yeah. um, which the theater is, is right on the edge of. Absolutely. So, you know, so that's that's important to me. In between all of those pursuits, yeah. you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to you know reconfigure, um, you know, my initial plan for my music to be my big kind of career, mm-hmm. and now it's a, a safe haven that I can retreat back into, mm. in the midst of all of the political and you know and business kind of BS that that yeah. sometimes will will haunt you. But yeah. this is um, you know this is maybe nine or ten or 11 years going on where I've been, um, you know, writing music. And uh, when you are a creative person, you can't stop. I mean, you, you can't. It's it's always going to be there whether you choose to act on it or write it down or transcribe it. Um, you know, there's always little voices there. There's yeah. always music going on. And uh, in a conversation with someone in a business meeting, maybe I'll have to step out. Oh, i got to go and write something down. You know, it, it really is for real always there, and it's always pushing me forward. Um, I've got a song called The Storm, and... Uh, I that, listened to it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? I did. Like a bridge over water, we're going across, all is not lost, the storm is on its way. That is a really optimistic sentiment that it's not just something I, I say or sing. There is a storm on its way in each of us, and and for me, that's coming about now. I feel it. The, yeah. the theater's time is, is almost here, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is it. Maybe it is here. And, you know, maybe we won't know until after it's passed. Yeah, but, sometimes but, you don't know right. until you're like, oh, that was it. <laughs> right. But, you know, pushing things forward. Yeah. The momentum. It's so exciting. And and for me, you know, being being ready for the storm and it's coming and it's here, you know, that's exciting. The there music is, is always there, too. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're, you're raising a really great point, Tara, that there is a lot of very strong raw energy in our community right now um, amongst creatives whether they're creative entrepreneurs whether they're artists you know um, that are a part of this creative economy I hate to use these you know kind of um, bureaucratic buzzwords but that's how it's referred to yeah very white um, uh, and uh and it's interesting because even in my four years here, um, just efforts to try to convene us all in mm-hmm. the same space and like looking for people to raise their hands like, oh, you too, right? And how to do that without, because it's it's not about like, I like what you do and not what you do, or I think you're good and I don't think you're good. What this is about is about people who have a shared vision for making things right and and so you kind of have to put all that aside this is not about competition this is about how do we harness all Mm -hmm. of this creative energy and um put aside a lot of the nonsense that can come uh, that can be it can happen in a creative community that is under supported because people feel like they're in competition with one another so how do you take a creative community that's under supported and get them all to work together Mm -hmm. and a lot of the work that you're doing and a lot of the work that I'm doing and the Widener doing is an attempt to uh to do just that to say like let's just put all that aside right it doesn't matter if what you do is unlike what they do um and it doesn't matter what your opinion is of 
what they do or if you feel like it should be side by side. What we have is a shared creative impulse yeah. that we want nurtured in the community. Yeah, when you have it like you do and like I think I do, there is, you know, there's, um, there's a drive there and, and it can't be explained, but we um, certainly have a lot of great resources at, at our, you know, disposal and, um, you know, it's in our purview to use those to, to, to bring some change and bring some progress and bring people together. We're talking about the capitalist thing. You know, that's the nature of capitalism is competition. Yeah, you know? right, and, right. And so, you know, we, while existing in that and having our organizations exist in that, you know, trying to, to kind of, you know, swindle things in a way so that we can, we can create a more socially... Um, you know, involving and an open environment for people to realize that we're far more similar than we're different. Right. We have far more to gain together than we do separate. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we all go up, you know, together, we don't leave anyone behind. You know, we all rise that way. And and to be honest, sometimes it's just a matter of like being able to tell the story effectively, right? Yeah. Just to just to tell a collective story that makes sense to people who are not creatives. Yep. Sometimes that's half the battle. And then people go, oh, I see it. Okay, yeah, sure. Like, I'd like to support that. I'd like to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, but, but as I said, with another group of... Uh, creative-minded and, and, and art supporters the other day. Not everyone is built to build. Building is hard. Building is very hard. <laughs> and we're very much in the midst of a, of a period of building. And, re and rebuilding. Yeah, and you rebuilding. Know, I mean, right. not only are we trying to rebuild from this worldwide thing yeah. that just took everyone by surprise, but, you know, trying to also pick up the momentum that was lost there. And, yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot that we're going to be able to accomplish in a very quick amount of time, I think, now, because we've seen how fragile everything is. We've seen how slowly it can go. Um, you know, but this was a very fast thing that happened, so I think that we know what we're up against. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, we I think there's a lot of opportunity here in our community, and I think that we're, we're right on the precipice. We're right on the edge. <laughs> and, right. and, I, and I can't wait for it. I really can't. Me neither. So, Charles, is there anything you're just dying to say that you haven't said yet? <laughs> there is there is one final thing I just want to add. Yeah. You know, for anyone listening, I want to say um, that, uh, you know, first of all, this has been a wonderful time. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for and coming. I, I want to say that, um, that I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit because, um, especially about the, the last 10, 15 years, what, what it's kind of just brought up for me is that all of these stories, they can go in somewhere positive and we'll all fall sometimes. We'll all take a misstep or something will happen you're not expecting. But if you continue on, what I'm reminded of in, in this conversation is that we can continue to push forward. You can still make something happen. Mm. And, um, you know, no matter how many times you fall, you can get back up. And as long as you got something creative in you, you can make something new. Or especially if you have something creative That's right. in you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I was going to comment on that, but I'm not going to. I'm just Let's just end with that. Awesome. That's a really lovely thought. You going to write a song about it? Probably. Okay. Do you have some, you take some notes on the, on the walk out of here? I've got them all upstairs. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Tarl. Thank you, Kelly. So there you have it. That's my conversation with Tarl. And thanks for spending some time with us this week. Bird in the Wings is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. Phoenix Studios executive producer is Ryan Martin, and the production manager is Kate Farley. 
Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salak. The editor for this episode is Adam Sissa. Our graphic designer is Kimberly Vlias. Our music was written and performed by Noah Simon. If you haven't already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. You can also head over to our website at uwgb.edu slash podcasts, that's plural, to check out our past episodes of this and all of the Phoenix Studio shows. I'm your host, Kelly Strickland. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.